The Theonauts, episode 102. The one where we take over the world. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, you Theotonomous Collective out there. I'm David Gaddy. <laughs> I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the, the Theonauts. Theotonomous Collective. <laughs> That's clever. Wow. Especially with what we're talking about. Yeah. That, that makes total sense. <laughs> when we hit Matthew 13, it'll be perfect. So, David, how you doing? Good. How's things going? Eh. Just blah? Yeah, it's, it's morning. I, I haven't had my cup of coffee yet. and uh, You know, this is a coffee shop. Oh, that's so true. Why didn't I stop downstairs? <laughs> Get myself a latte. I need one, man. I'm about to die here. But oh, oh well, we'll 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 muddle through it, and then I'll get some coffee. How about that? Yeah, it's been a busy week, hasn't it? It's been a crazy busy week. You're getting ready for school to start. Yep, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting ready for school to start, and excited about that. And got handed a whole bunch of new stuff to do, and. So learning how to do that. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, you know, uh, on my plate right now, I feel like I'm drowning, but that's okay. I'll live. It'll be all right. With with God, cool. all things are possible, right? Yeah. So it, it could be possible that I get everything done. We'll see what happens. Yes. Anyways, how about you? What's going on? Oh, it's, it's been uh, pretty busy. I uh, uh, got some new... Uh, things at work to do and right so uh and oh we've got things happening there at the way we've got christmas in july That's coming right. up this weekend tomorrow man yes Woo. so tomorrow it's, it's gonna be awesome it should uh, be assuming people actually show up right uh, <laughs> i'm sure they will yeah um people will come out for free stuff hopefully oh yeah you post free stuff and they'll they're on their way man yeah so it it, it's gonna be hot yeah. It's supposed to be one of the hottest days of the year right. down here in North Texas. But that's why we got the water stuff, right? It's supposed to be, yeah, plus 100 degrees. We're going to have the water hoses going. That's nuts. Plus Keeping... 100 degrees. <laughs> that's so great. We got slip and slide kickball yes, going on. we do. So I, I didn't check our insurance to see if we could actually... Oh, yeah. If someone's going to break a leg or something. Ooh. We'll just have to pray over that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know... What happens, happens. We got bounce house. Yes, we have a bounce house. Uh, let's see, snow cones and like uh, popcorn. And yeah, I just got a text a while ago about the guy with the popcorn machine. He's awesome. going to bring it by today. Nice. That's good. So, I have the bounce house sitting in my carport, so ready to Oh, ready so to blow ready to roll. Up. That's right. Awesome. Can't wait. The man. snow cone machine might be a little late, but. Oh, know, really? Yeah, we're borrowing it from another <laughs> That's church. Right. I forgot. So, uh, mm. yeah. So, wow, it's. Lots going on. It's it's happening. Oh, and uh, lots going on at the GCT Network. Yes. Finding Christ Sim is back on the air. That's right. Woohoo! So you guys go check out. Uh, I'm so FCC. glad, Mike Lombard. Let's see. They just did Harry Potter yesterday, right? Yeah. So I haven't listened to one. it yet. Yeah. Uh, I, I tuned in a little bit uh, as they were doing it live. Yeah. Um, but I, I was busy. I couldn't stay around. Sure. Uh, but we also had, uh, man, they did the Batman versus Superman. 
thing, that was good. That was yeah. awesome. There was like even if the movie wasn't. You know, actually, <laughs> I had not seen the movie at all. Oh, really? I had avoided it because of uh, all the. Well, because here's my big thing. I'm a big Superman fan. Yeah. Have been from the time I was a kid, right? Right. And Superman was always about truth, justice in the American way. I mean, right. he was the bright, shining light. Yeah. He was the the guy everybody looked up to as an, the honor and justice and and blah blah blah. And then when this movie came out, I kept hearing, well, for one. He's a little gloomy in Man of Steel, the yeah. first movie. And then I heard when this movie came out, he was just all, uh, it was like dark and dark. It wasn't dark and light. Like right. was, he was like a super Batman type of, like he had this angsty, right. uh, th- uh, uh, gritty character. And I was like, that's not the Superman I know. Yeah, I don't even want to see that. And so I, I didn't even bother. And um, so, but I'm a big fan of the comics, right? Sure. So I didn't see the theatrical version at all. This past weekend, I sat down and I watched the Ultimate Edition. Right. And, of course, it was like three hours long. It's a long movie. But I actually really liked it. Yeah? I mean, I really liked it. Really? I was was like, wow, this is so much better than I thought it was going to be. And maybe some of that is because I was watching the Ultimate Edition and then there was 30 extra minutes of fleshing things out. Because, yes, it was darker than the normal Superman type of thing. But... He had he had the elements of Superman that I ex- that I would have sure. expected. Sure, I mean he was extremely noble and yeah, and and so and especially and I'm not giving away the spoilers, but especially at the end, it's it's completely uh, what I would expect from Superman. So the, I I was like really happy with the movie, right. to be honest. And um, I, I liked. I didn't have a big beef about Lex Luthor being weird and crazy and trying to be a Joker. <laughs> Uh, but you know, I, it, I, I thought that he worked out pretty well. Right. And then whenever I listened to finding Christ in cinema, they did this really cool thing, uh, that, that I thought was, was neat because, um, if you look at this metaphor, uh, if you look at, like, I think Michael took, uh, Batman and Superman and said, let's pretend they're in the church. Right. And then you've got this guy in the background this crazy man in the background pitting them against one another and and with this elaborate plan to tear down their house right to d- basically destroy oh, wow. them. That's good. and so it's like you got this metaphor of what do we as christians do right we're we're at each other's throats like batman and superman were in the movie huh. and it's all because we're being provoked by this trickster to make us think we're not on the same team wow so it was a very it was right down our alley, right? You know, it was this big, big huge unity, unity. statement. Yeah, that's awesome. Being man. made now, I think that the whole Martha thing is really kind of cheesy. <laughs> Martha, <laughs> why, did, why did you say that name? That's that's my mama that's, too. That's my mama. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of of a. I mean, I think it was cool that something as base as their mother drew them together. Right. But it was executed weird to it me. Was. I thought the way it was executed was really weird. But right. but outside that, I really enjoyed the movie. Thought it was good and really enjoyed Finding Christ <laughs> in Cinema. So that's great. Anyway, I'm glad they're back on the me too man. on the, the thing. Welcome uh, back, guys. The, apparently, apparently the game plan is they're going to continue to do it at least until they get the Middle Earth uh, show, right. which is yet to be named. Right. Uh, but they apparently have some really cool name in store for us. 
Um, sure. So, <laughs> so whenever that whenever that comes when they out, hash that out. Yeah, we'll 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 have some more fun to talk about. <laughs> so, uh, you ready? You ready to talk about the stuff? Oh, let's do it, man. <laughs> As if we haven't been talking about it for an hour already oh, before dude. the show. Yeah, because, we, okay, we'll have to preface this. Jeremiah and I just had it out here in the studio <laughs> for about an hour. We were like, you're wrong. You're flat out you're wrong. You're wrong, David. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, uh, the word dogmatic was thrown around. <laughs> um, heretic never came up. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> You're not in the kingdom, Jeremiah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So, okay, but yeah. this this is primarily going to be your baby. So I'm going to let, let you roll with it. All right. I'm going to try not to interject too many. No, I want I want as much interjection <laughs> as you can because I mean you blew me away this morning when I first got here. I hadn't even thought about that. Like I hadn't looked at that or anything. Okay, we're know? talking about ki- the kingdom. Of God, not, yes. not the movie, no, or Kingdom of Heaven. However you want to say it, however you want to say it, and that, uh, yeah, you are bring up a good same? point. Are they are, are they, they different? Right. So, okay, so this is all based off of I'm preaching this Sunday, and I've got Acts. What is it? Um, sixteen through twenty six. So ten chapters. Yes, to a, cover in an hour. A gigantic chunk of well. Paul's second and third missionary journey plus his imprisonment right. all the way up to Felix. So, I mean, yeah, it's uh it's quite a lot. And so, um one of the things I did because we were doing an overview was to, you know, look over the overall theme of Acts. What is Acts about? What's the purpose? What's the point? And then draw out the elements from the overall themes. So, because of that, I came to this whole thing on the kingdom of heaven, right? And uh, and I, you know, I'm we're using uh, we're using a lot of the um, the Acts study from uh, um, what's the name of that church? <laughs> no, village? Yeah, the village. Uh, Matt Chandler's Acts study. Uh, we're we're using a lot of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that he brought out was really cool, and, and I started getting further and further in this. So. Uh, this is how I'm basically just going to talk about everything uh, from from the idea of the kingdom of heaven. So yes. here we go, because that's really what we've been trying to do with the whole study of the book of Acts. Anyway, right, is to focus on okay, what's dealing with the church here? Right, what's the church doing? Uh, how is it? How is it born? How is it struggling? How is it building community? How is it multiplying? Right. All these things are the questions we were trying to ask throughout this study, not necessarily to talk about the details of Paul's journeys or to talk about, you know, uh, all the little details. Right. But instead, focus on it from a bird's eye view. Exactly. Of the church and what, yes. how, what this meant in the creation of the the first century church. Right. So in order to understand the idea of the kingdom of heaven, the first thing you need to know is, is that Jesus in Matthew, uh, Jesus actually mentions the kingdom of heaven, talks about the kingdom of heaven more than anything else. Yeah. This is his main focus, okay? And in the other synoptic gospels and in John, it's to a lesser degree, 
but it's still prominent in their mm-hmm. in their gospel. So it's a big deal. In fact, it's how Jesus starts his his ministry. So I'm going to take us to Luke chapter four to begin with. Okay, uh, and we're going to start with verse sixteen, and this is Jesus in his basically inauguration uh, speech. Okay, um, this is right after the temptation. Okay. Um, uh, so after Jesus is baptized, he's led in the wilderness, tempted by Satan, comes back, he goes to Nazareth, and he's there on the Sabbath. He yes. enters the synagogue. synagogue. Yes. Verse 16, And he came to Nazareth when we had been brought up, uh, where he had been brought up, and was the custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll, uh, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Okay? Yes. And then he rolls up the scroll, he looks out at the crowd, and he goes, Today... Drops the mic. Yeah. He's like, Today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So he's like, I just finished that one. Right? <laughs> Drops the mic. And so everybody's like, is this not the carpenter's son? Like, what in the world? Who yeah, is this yeah. dude? And what's hey, he doing? Hey, we know you. What are you talking about? That's, what's he doing? And so in order to understand what he's doing more fully, you have to understand, first off, you have to understand the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is a prophecy book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was written during captivity, right? Right. Um, well, actually, it spans... And anyway, so um, a lot of it is dealing with what's happening at the time with uh, with with them in captive Israel in captivity, but a lot of it has to do with end times prophecy, and more often than not, me- messianic prophecy. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, he's quoting Isaiah sixty one, and I want to read another book uh, or another chapter from Isaiah Isaiah chapter eleven. Okay. okay. So this is, uh, this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 11. A shoot will come out of the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But is right. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Okay? Um, so right off the bat, this is again. This is a messianic <clears throat> prophecy, right? But it's talking about a coming king. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Jesse, who was the father of David, okay, um, which was the greatest king of Israel, okay. Right. And from his lineage, the Messiah is supposed to come. A shoot will come out from the stump of Jesse. He's going to be a king. He's going to be a ruler, and not only that, but he's going to be a righteous judge. Right. Yes. yes. So he's going to be blind in his judgment, meaning he's not going to judge by what he sees and hears, but he's going to judge on uh, perfection. Right. So the image of a, uh, whenever you think of Lady Justice, 
mm-hmm. that statue. Yeah, yeah. She has the blindfold the on. The blindfold on, right? And she holds so the scales. So it's not about it's not about uh, favoritism. Exactly. It's about uh, you know justice. Okay. So this is going to be a perfect judge, mm-hmm. a ruler, a mess, a messianic ruler. Uh, verse six: The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. So obviously in the kingdom of heaven, there's going to be animals, right? Your pets. Yeah, exactly. Because that's exactly what this means. Yeah. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. The young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den or the adder's nest. Is the yes, yes. KG, KJV. And the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither <laughs> harm nor destroy on all that's, my holy mountain. That's why we need to play with snakes in church. Right, exactly. Yeah. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord and the waters as the waters cover the sea. So think about that. This whole from six to nine. And it's not about the animals. It's about the image behind the animals. Right, it's about peace. Right. When you think of a wolf and a lamb, Mm -hmm. you think of a predator and prey. They only lay down together whenever the wolf is eating the lamb and they're chilling. Exactly. (laughs) It's that after lunch nap. That's right. The leopard and the goat. Again, predator, prey. The calf and the lion. And then it says, and a little child will lead them. Mm-hmm. So the idea is get this mental picture in your head of a gigantic lion and a wolf and a leopard, right? And they're led by a little <coughs> child, like he's playing around with them, right? <laughs> and then you get an image of a baby playing by a viper's den, yeah, right? Yeah. And then sticking his hand in the viper's nest. And, you know, the viper not biting him. Yeah, no big deal. No big deal at all. I mean, if I put baby Blakely by a viper's den... <laughs> not happening. No, it, it wouldn't happen. That's terrible, right? <laughs> so you have you have this image of perfect peace. Right. Total, complete happiness. Everything is set right, okay? In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time and reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from the Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, from the Isles of the Mediterranean. He will raise his banner of the nations and gather the exiles from Israel. So you can go down here and you can see that he's going to gather up his people. Yes. Right? And they're going to live in the kingdom forever. Yeah. And ever is basically what it says. The picture we're giving you, or the picture that that Isaiah is giving you, and by the way, the the word, the name Isaiah actually means, uh, what is it? God brings salvation. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So this... Makes sense. Yes. I mean, it, it fits. Right. It makes wine. total sense. So this picture, this image we're giving you is actually, it was given another place in reality in, in Scripture, and that was in Genesis 1-1, or at Genesis 1, right? Yeah. The Garden of Eden. Right. It was perfect. It was paradise. There was no pain. There was no hunger. There was no death. There was nothing, and everything was at peace. And what Isaiah is saying is, this is going to happen again. The kingdom is going to come, God is going to reign, and it is going to happen again. Mm-hmm. Then, I, then, then uh, Jesus comes in chapter uh, 4 of Matthew, 
Luke, or chapter four of Luke, and goes, this this is fulfilled in me today. Yeah. Right? This is my mission statement. Exactly. This is is what I'm about about to make this kingdom... That we're talking about here. Sure. And again, uh, Jesus, his his number one message uh, from Matthew 4 is, yeah, it's Matthew 4. Yeah. Uh, from then on, Jesus begins proclaiming, repent, right? Mm-hmm. For the kingdom of God is at hand. And that word at hand actually means is here. Right. Okay. So <clears throat> what is he? what is he saying? The kingdom of God is here. What do you think? Well, um, first off, Matthew is a Jewish publican. He's he's working for Rome, but he's but he's a Jewish guy. Right. And the point of his writing is to proclaim Jesus Messiah. Jesus is is King. Right. Uh, so it's often uh, tied to the symbol of the lion. Is 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 Matthew? Yes. Uh, because it's about the lion of the tribe of Judah. Right. Okay, so it makes perfect sense if if it's about king, it's about Jesus being king. That's the whole point. Sure. So it makes sense that Jesus would be talking about the kingdom of of God, kingdom of heaven, a lot in in all this. And so whenever he says the kingdom, well, when the king is sits on the throne, you're under a king. You're in a kingdom. Right. Okay. And there's there may be different iterations of it, but that is. The that is what it was happening when Jesus was was coming there. Exactly, he's taken the throne. Yes, that's the truth. And so, all right. So going back to that that Jewish mindset, then mm-hmm. um, the Jews, especially, you know, by the time of Jesus, they were really looking for their Messiah. Right. Okay. And so there were actually two different. Um, the Jews viewed the world in two different ages. Okay. There was the present age and then the age to come, mm-hmm. all right? So in the present age, there was death, sickness, demonic oppression, failure to keep the law, sin, damnation, and idolatry. Right. Okay? So this present age was full of wickedness and, and terrible things, and, uh, you know, it was the age of oppression. Yeah, especially since they were under the rule of Roman Empire... Yeah, um, and and they weren't they didn't have their freedom, um, and they saw this as they were looking for a, a king right that would lead them out of that oppression. Yes, and so yeah, Rome was a real big thing, and really they'd been <coughs> oppressed all the way from Babylon all the way through Rome. Well, they had a moment of peace between the Seleucids, but it was the Hasmonean era, right. which was intertestamental. You exactly. had about a hundred years where it was a short-lived, where they kind of had control of everything. Exactly, and then <clears throat> Rome comes in and destroys everything. Right, yeah, just yeah. crushes everything, and so they were under this oppression, right? Mm-hmm. And they, and they felt the present evil age: death, sickness, demonic oppression, right? Failure to keep the law, sin, all this stuff. But then they they viewed the future as the age to come, right? And that's what they would they would call it, or the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Okay? Um, and this kingdom was marked by resurrection, right? Resurrection from the dead, no more death. Healing, demons being cast out, the spirit being given, forgiveness of sin, 
salvation, <laughs> gospel to all nations, Gentiles worshiping. Actually, they believe that that uh, all the nations would come and worship their God. So Gentiles worshiping the God of Israel. Right. Okay? So there was, those were the two different ages. So if you were a good Jewish boy growing up uh, in Palestine during this time, <coughs> or, you know, Israel, you would you would know these two different ages. Uh, you know, we live in this present evil age, but Isaiah prophesied, prophesied about this age to come, right? right? And right. In Isaiah chapter 11, it talks about our king coming back and putting everything right and us being at peace, right? So Jesus comes and he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, I'm your king, I'm here, <laughs> and I'm bringing with me the kingdom of heaven. Right. One of the reasons that this was so hard for the Jews to take was they were looking for this conquering king physical they were looking they were looking for uh, they were looking for independence from Rome right so they were looking for a physical king who would take uh, leadership and that's not what Jesus was about at right all. exactly um, whenever Jesus is asked by Pilate if he's right. if he's the king, are you the king apparently right. this is your accusation exactly. are you a king and Jesus says yes but my kingdom is not of this world mm-hmm. right so and it basically means spiritual and the, Jesus came to free us from oppression so much much worse than Rome. Mm-hmm. He came to free us from the oppression of sin and death. Right. He came to free us and set us free into his kingdom, which uh, of salvation uh, through the blood. Yeah. Right. And of course, it, it took a penalty, his blood sacrifice. But the reality is, these kingdoms are connected. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we live today in a world of death, of sickness, of demonic oppression, of failure to keep the law, of sin, of damnation, and idolatry. We live in in that world, right? Especially, you've seen it in the past month, two months played out here, even in America. I mean, some horrible, tragic things have been happening in, in our society. We live in that world. It's just a broken, it's a broken, uh, fallen world. Exactly, it is. But we also live in a world of resurrection, of healing, of demons being cast out. All these things that the Jews saw as the age to come. That's right. Of the Spirit given, of forgiveness of sin, of salvation, of the gospel preached to all nations, and of Gentiles mm-hmm. worshiping the God of Israel. So the question is: Is did Jesus fulfill his kingdom, right? And the answer is absolutely Jesus fulfilled his kingdom. But, and this is where we had our huge <laughs> thought this morning, we, it's, it's hard for people to see that because we still live in a world of sin and death. Right. So we live in, a, in almost an in-between time, right? And I'm not about doing es- eschatological ages and all that stuff. Yeah, you, you're a dispensationalist is what you're saying. I am not a dispensationalist <laughs> at all. But I do see I do see that we live in this <clears throat> in between time, right? So where where is the kingdom? What is the kingdom then? If Jesus his message was the kingdom is coming, right? Yeah. Um or his message was I'm bringing with me the kingdom of heaven on earth. Right. I'm going to usher in this new time of peace that Isaiah is talking about. 
where is it today? What happened? Yeah. Right? Well, you know, in, in going back to what we've been talking about for the past hour or so, it's like the, the question started right, because you go look this up on the internet, you're going to find opinions out the wazoo. Yeah. And it all, most of the arguments tie to eschatology right. because you've got this premillennial uh, group and you've got this amillennial group and then you've got. Uh, um, Even the, uh, um, what are they called? Theonomists. <laughs> yeah, well, well, which would be all millennial. Uh, no. Well, no, they're millennial. They, yeah, that's uh, right. They're pre-millennial, but they're post-trib. Uh, right. Whatever. Post-trib. But, <clears throat> but anyway, um, setting all those arguments aside, the question really becomes: Well, what's Jesus talking about whenever he says? Because he uses this term "kingdom of heaven" and "kingdom of God" interchangeably. <laughs> and, uh, and, and uh, you know, one of the things that we were reading online, you know, people were getting into these camps and saying, well, kingdom of God is this, but kingdom of heaven is that. Right. Like there's two different things going on. And uh, we were both, I think, misunderstanding where what we were saying. But sure. but because um, we're both on the same page that those terms can be used completely parallel, completely synonymously. Sure. The point that that we were trying to make, also that I was trying to make, was that King that when Jesus uses this term "kingdom of heaven," he's not always talking about the exact same thing. Right. And sometimes you have to use the context of the passage to understand what he's talking about. Sometimes he's talking about the kingdom as we see it, the kingdom from our perspective. Sure. Sometimes he's talking about the kingdom that, as God sees it, like truly saved individuals, no. Uh, no, no fake conversions, and uh, and the perfect example of that would be whenever uh, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus in John three, and he says, "Unless yeah. you're born of the Spirit, you will not enter yeah. into the kingdom of heaven." Okay, that's a conditional no, kingdom of God. Okay, kingdom of God. <laughs> Hold on, but get I'm, it right. But I'm saying, I'm joking. Saying it's completely interchangeable. Sure. Okay, so you won't you won't enter into the kingdom of God unless. You're born again. Sure. Okay, well, now there's all kinds of people sitting in church that aren't necessarily born again. Right. And so then sometimes Jesus, in Matthew 13 specifically, talking about the kingdom of heaven is likened to this, and he starts bringing up the field, and there's sin in it, and there's... Right, and we'll get to Matthew 13 in a second. Okay. I really want to preface this before we get too far into it. So, the kingdom of heaven is said 32 times. In the book of Matthew alone. In the book of Matthew alone. The only place where it's used, where that particular vernacular is used. Right, okay? It said, whereas the kingdom of God is said five times in Matthew, Mm -hmm. 15 times in Mark... 32 times in Luke. So almost the exact same it is the exact same as what Matthew said. Yeah. And two times in John. Mm-hmm. Okay. So whether or not I So there are parallel passages. Exactly. In Matthew and in these other gospels. He's talking is the same speech, the same whatever. Right. And he uh, and, and one of them will use uh Kingdom of God where Matthew used uh Kingdom of Heaven. Sure. I'll give you, so they I'll are give you a couple exam- examples. So uh, Matthew eleven eleven. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, no one uh, has arisen greater than John the Baptist, yet one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. But Luke 7, uh, 28, I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John, yet one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. Okay. Right? So you have Matthew 13, um, 
11, he replied, You have been given the opportunity to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but they have not. Mark 4.11, he said to them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside, every everything is mm-hmm. in parable. So these terms, and you could, I mean, there's, they're all inter- yeah I, yeah. There's so many, it's they're interchangeable. And the kingdom of God, Elohim, but you have the kingdom of heaven, um, and heaven was actually also used as a as a uh, synonym for God. Synonym sometimes. for God, right? Right. So, um, what we're saying is, you know. These are interchangeable, but don't get too caught up in saying, "Well, kingdom of God always means this; kingdom of heaven always means right. that." Right. Going back to our last episode, context is very important. It's key for everything, and and uh, you've got to look at it as I don't think that there was a firm definition. No. To uh, these terms, as in it, it, it was subjective to how it was being used in context, just like the word love is used. Many times in the sure. New Testament, sometimes it's used to, as uh, from a Greek word phileo. Sometimes it's from the Greek word agape. Uh, s- sometimes it's used one way. Sometimes it's used another. Um, right. To, and so the context is very important. Perfect is another one. When you see the word perfect in the scriptures, sometimes it means complete, like com- fulfilled, and sometimes it means uh, without flaw. Right. And so, but you have to be very careful as to how you apply those definitions. So, like, for example, one of the passages you just read there was, um, what was the first one that, that, that you read? Uh, let me look back. I was on something else to see. Uh, Matthew eleven eleven. I tell you the truth, among those born of women... No one has arisen greater than right. John the Baptist, yet one who is least in the kingdom of heaven. Least in the kingdom of heaven. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about true saved individuals. Yes. Because someone who is a fake conversion is obviously not greater than the... Um, because right. he's not truly saved, he's not greater than, than uh, the, the uh, John the Baptist. Right. Um, but then you have these other passages that seem to include others inside this term, kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. Sure. But... This and so we need to go back and we need to define what is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Okay. So and that that'll help help uh, us understand why we need to understand what context is in to understand exactly who he's talking about, either the elect or the people here. Right. So when Jesus left <clears throat> uh, after he was resurrected in Acts chapter one, um, he says. Uh, let's take it from chapter one, verse one. In my former book, Theopolis, <laughs> this is Luke <laughs> writing, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Are you dead? Yeah, I'm breathing. Okay, he's alive. Okay. Uh, He ate with them, right? He talked to them. He allowed Thomas to touch his side. Uh, It says, He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Okay. Okay. On that occasion, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my... gift." 
my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at that at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? <laughs> okay, so again, remember the Jewish mindset. They have these two different ages, the right. age that is and the age to come, and they're still thinking in their two different mindsets. Right. All right, age that is, the age to come. And so they asked Jesus, oh, when you give us the Holy Spirit, then that's when it's going to happen. We thought it was going to be Jesus, first off. We thought it was going to be when you first came here and started proclaiming to everybody the kingdom of heaven because we thought we were going to throw off Rome. But you didn't do that. You died on a cross. But then you rose again, so you showed your power over death, resurrection. That's definitely the kingdom of heaven. So when is this thing going to be established, Jesus? When in the world are you going to bring about your kingdom on earth? Obviously, it needs to happen. So they're already looking forward to this kingdom to come. So they say to Jesus, oh, so when you leave and you send the Holy Spirit, that's when, is that when you're going to rally everybody and restore Israel and bring everybody back to Israel? Right? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. That was the last thing he said. So his answer basically was no. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, (laughs) But... And everybody's like, oh. But he didn't didn't exactly... He didn't exactly... uh, also, I think there is something else that could be going on here um, as far as, oh, man, it's so hairy because, <laughs> because these are verses to where um, obviously eschatology does play in because people use these passages to say, oh, okay, he hasn't actually fulfilled this part yet. That's right. why there's a millennial kingdom that's got to happen in end times. Or if you're in the preterist camp, that was a symbolic thing that happened at the end of uh, the fall of, of Jerusalem. Um, so, I mean, there's like all kinds of different ways this could have been fulfilled, or it could be all spiritual and, and, and be, okay, it was fulfilled. Maybe his answer was yes. See, and that's my, that's my thing. I don't think... So it- I think we ought to take this scripture, and this is what people have done. So I've even heard people go, okay, so what's going to happen is is we've got to get the message, the gospel message out to every single people group in the world, because as soon as that happens... Right, right, right. Then, and there's another passage that says, "Yeah, yeah, I know which one you're talking." Right, about. <clears throat> then the end will come. So we got to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Or there's people that, again that try to decipher this days and ages. And what does Jesus say at the very beginning? It's, it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know. <laughs> Knock that off. Yeah, I'm bringing the kingdom, and the kingdom is here. The very next thing he does is he points to them, and he said he points out what he had just said. Mm-hmm. The Holy, stay there. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, but, and you're going to be my. But this witnesses. also goes to the whole concept of because I'm I'm leaving the door completely open here for whatever eschatology you hold to, because the point could be made that there's there's different interpretations of what he means when he says kingdom. 
sometimes he's referring to the church universal. Sometimes he's referring to um, the the uh, the elect, the, the the ones that are that are truly saved. And sometimes he may be referring to that which is to come for us, which could be either if you want to be a, a, a premillennial, that could be that could fit for you, or whatever. It could be it, it could be after we're all glorified. Right. I mean, it could be talking about our glorified kingdom that right. we're in uh, when New Jerusalem. And I'm calling that, that I'm calling that the end game or the 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 fulfillment of the kingdom of heaven, right? Mm-hmm. But there is a kingdom of heaven here now and it exists. Yes. And that's what Jesus was focused on more than anything else. Mm-hmm. You will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses to Judea to you know and and he gives us again, you can look at uh, Matthew 28, mm-hmm. the, the Great Commission, verse 16. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to him, them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Mm-hmm. Is that not a fulfillment of the kingdom? All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So who has all the authority? Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. To the very end of the age. Right. Right? So... This is, and you know, so many people write this on their nice doorposts, mm-hmm. and they they make these nice banners. I'll be with you till with the, the end. Great, of the yeah, world. surely I'm with you. Into the world in the King James version. This is a mission to take over the world. Yeah, this is like hardcore right here. Mm-hmm. Jesus is sending out his apostles, his disciples, to go and take over the world with the message of the cross. Yeah. With with the gospel, right? So so the, the point could be made that there's an aspect of the kingdom of heaven that existed the minute Jesus stepped out into his ministry. Right. There's an aspect of the kingdom that will be fulfilled as it journeys, as it grows, as yes. it as it as it begins to quote unquote take over the world. Yes. Um, and there's an aspect of the kingdom. That is a glorified one that won't even include some of the things that are in it here. You know, and it, it seems like it's a process, just like salvation may be a process. Right, like sanctification in and of itself. The kingdom is going through a, a sanctification process as well. Yes. Um, as the people are being saved, the kingdom is being saved. Right. And so, and so for example, you've got this... Um, uh, Jesus, when he's teaching us how to pray in the quote unquote Lord's Prayer, right? He says, "Quote unquote Lord, that's not Lord's Prayer." Right. He doesn't call it that in the Bible. I know. Go ahead. Okay, <laughs> he doesn't say. By the way, this stop. This is the Lord's Prayer. So what I want you to do is write it on a pretty wooden <laughs> plaque and post it up above your kitchen counter and vainly repeat it over and, and over. Your <laughs> video. Okay. So no more. Anyway. <laughs> When he says, part of what he prays for in that prayer is, thy kingdom come, in the King James. Yes. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And I've, I've heard many different 
camps on that. Some people believe that what Jesus is praying for is end times prophecy, you know, and then, and then some people are like, wait, that's already been fulfilled completely. Why are we asking that? Why are we still praying <laughs> that? That's already happened. And, and so, uh, it, like you and I were talking about this before the show. Okay, well, has his will on earth, is it right. the same as it was in heaven? Because it says right here, all authority has been given to me. Isn't that, isn't that God's will? Ooh. So if that's God's will, it's already <laughs> happened. Right? <laughs> Jesus has been given all authority. He's already king. He's already sitting on the throne. So it's like now, if God's will is that everyone who could possibly ever be born be saved, well, obviously the people that had not, I wasn't born right. then. So, and I'm part of God's will, I hope. <laughs> so, sure. So it has his will been done in me? At that time, hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to, to come at this. It's like oh, all goodness. over the map. So yeah, and um, but I, I tend to look at it from the aspect of I think what Jesus was praying for was the fulfilling of what he did. Right. I, I don't think he was asking for something future for us. So I think he's asking for something that was already that that that, that Jesus fulfilled. So I'm kind of in that camp. Right. Why and, are you saying that prayer? <laughs> good. That's excellent. Why are you saying that prayer? And my my answer is is because it's 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 it is it will be, and it's being, yes, fulfilled. Yes. Right? It is fulfilled. It's all about perspective. It will be fulfilled, and and it's currently being fulfilled. Just like saved is the same way. Right. I there am there saved. are three there are three tenses to being saved. Sure. I have been saved, justified. Inside of God, I am being I am saved. being saved through sanctification, and one day I will be glorified I with Him. Will be fully. Saved. I will be made perfect in His yes. eyes, and and that is right. The ultimate will be saved. Exactly. So let's put ourselves in this mindset, and this is really what it is. Okay. So we are in a kingdom of darkness, and this is a. Uh, I've been watching a lot of Game of Thrones lately. I'm like on season four, <laughs> which is tor- horrible. Don't watch it because it's just bad. <laughs> But man, the storyline is just unbelievable. Anyway, so we're in the kingdom of darkness. It's a horrible kingdom. We have a terrible taskmaster, mm-hmm. right? Um, sin is is just tearing at us. It's beating us up, um, and and we just we do it until we we call ourselves reek. I mean, we're right, that bad, right, okay? Right. <laughs> so, anyways, we're just over and over, just beating and beating and beating. But the reality is, is that taskmaster has no real power over us. Mm-hmm. And so a messenger comes. He's like, listen, I'm from the kingdom of light. You're from the kingdom of darkness. I'm from the kingdom of light. I'm here to tell you that there's hope for you. If you surrender, lay down the kingdom of darkness. Don't obey that master anymore. Mm-hmm. Get rid of him. There's a new master we serve. And he has actually bought you. He right. saved you so that you can be in his kingdom. And he wants you to be a part of his kingdom. And I'm going to, I'm here to usher you into that kingdom. If you're willing to surrender uh, allegiance from the old king and surrender allegiance to the new king. Right. Right? And the, that message gets carried. And it's a message of love. 
and of, of the gospel, right? Yeah. That is the gospel, by the way. And, and so what happens is, is as, as one person is one, another person, we usher into this kingdom, and this kingdom keeps building and building. And that's what we are on earth right now. Right. So, so for example, we, we've heard you know, these songs, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through, right? Yeah. My treasures are laid up <laughs> somewhere beyond the blue. Yes. <laughs> Let me go back to that. But anyway, um, so the, the, the idea, like I'm a citizen of the United States, mm-hmm. doesn't mean I can't go to another country. If I go to another country, I'm a pilgrim there. Right. Okay, so if I'm, if I'm in Africa, you know, trudging around out there. Right. Uh, and I get stuck there, and it's hard for me to get back here or whatever. It doesn't change. I'm a, I am a citizen of the United States. I am in the kingdom of this United States of America, even yes. though I'm sojourning in a country that is far away. Okay, now, oh, great example. My grandson, Shepard, was oh, born yeah, yeah, yeah. in Ethiopia, okay, my children went over there and got that boy and brought him to the United States. But you know what happened first? They had to nationalize him. He became a, a U.S. citizen while he was born and raised in a dark country with, with all this and, um, evil around him everywhere. Right. And taken to, in our view, a place of paradise compared to where he had been. That's right. So... It's a perfect model because he became part of the kingdom, if we call the United States a kingdom. He became part of the kingdom before he even left right. African soil. Right. So in, in, that's exactly right. And that, that's the picture, okay? Mm-hmm. So the answer to this question, who is the kingdom or what is the kingdom? The answer is the kingdom is the same thing that the bride is. Mm-hmm. The kingdom is the church. It's about who's sovereign in your life. Yes. Who's, who's sitting on the throne of your heart? Right. If, if Jesus is sitting on the throne of your heart, then you're a servant of his. You are in his kingdom. He's your king. Yes. And if you, and if you have a king, you're in a kingdom. Right. So if you are in a kingdom, you're, you're in the church. And that's what the church is on earth. That is the church, the kingdom of God mm-hmm. on earth, mm-hmm. doing the fulfilling the mission of God, which is bringing other people out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's it. And so um, there's a couple questions here, though. Are, is everybody in the kingdom in the kingdom? Right? <laughs> right. And, and that's where we want to go back to. And that's why I said, hold off on Matthew, Matthew 13. 13. Yes, because it, it's just so, I mean... So important, uh, and I had it pulled up, and I lost it here. I got it right there. Okay. Oh, I don't want the NIV. I love the NIV sometimes, really, but not all the time. I've never been a fan. Uh, it's just bad. Um, I want the ES. Where are you, ESV? I've got it right here. Okay, good. So, which verse are you looking for? Let's start with the first one. I mean, let's start with the parable of the sower. This is great right here. Sowing kingdom okay. citizens. So the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and a great crowd gathered around him, uh, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them, and other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up 
Since they did had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And he who has ears, let him hear. <laughs> what? What are you talking about, Jesus? Yes. Well, that's explained again in in verses eighteen through twenty three. But we'll we'll hit those really quickly. So one of the things I want to I want to point out here is that Jesus had amassed a following at this point. So many people that he had to get into a boat to address them. Right. Yes. So they're all standing at the edge of the sea, and he gets in a boat, drives out there, and he addresses them, and he tells them these parables. Mm-hmm. Confuses the junk him, and this is the—is this the day after he had fed the five thousand? Uh, I don't think so. But but here's one very important thing that that did come after this, uh, or that came before this in Matthew twelve. I believe is the catalyst for why he changed his teaching style. He was teaching very plainly, right? And then in Matthew twelve, the he gets accused of being a servant of the devil. Okay. Oh yeah. He, in he, house. He, yes, the Pharisees say, "Look, you're only being able to raise people from the dead, or you know, do these miracles because you're a servant of the devil." And he actually does some kingdom discussion there, right? And he and he's like, "Oh, wait just a second, a, a kingdom divided against itself is is not going to stand." And so Satan would not do something against his kingdom. He knows this, and he would not divide his kingdom this right. way. And uh, so it's like Jesus, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. He was like, fine, you want to be, I've given you plain talk. You're not listening to it. So you know what? Here it is. I'm going to give it to you in a bunch of, of riddles. Right. And he, he had, he had amassed this huge following. Okay. So mm-hmm. there, there were a lot of people that were, that were just mindlessly following him because, mm-hmm. you know, he was supposed to be the Messiah. He was healing people, and he was giving them stuff, right? Right. Bread, food, he was feeding them, he's taking care of them. So anyways, so he has this huge following, and he's standing on the edge, or he's he's out in the boat, and he says this weird parable to the sower, right? Yeah. Um, so you have some people who are, quote, in the kingdom, mm-hmm. right? But they never even get sown into the kingdom. They get snatched away. They fall along the path. So they can't seek down into it, right? That's what verse 19, anyone who hears the word of the kingdom does not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches them away uh, what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path, okay? So these are people who just don't even get it. Right. That's about half of the crowd that he's addressing, okay? Um the uh, the ones that are sown in the rocking gr- rocky ground, those are the one who hears and he receives it with joy. And I think of the people who are like you know just gung home for Jesus as soon as they enter the church, right? And they're they're super excited and they're consumed with joy and they're happy. But as soon as the hardship comes, mm-hmm. because with with being a part of a this kingdom, you will be persecuted here on earth. Right. If you are a member of this kingdom, we, we are in hostile territory right now. Mm-hmm. So we will be persecuted. And as soon as that struggle comes, those are the ones that cut tail and run. Right. They're like, ah, I didn't sign up for this. This is what I'm not in for. And those are, you know, the, the, they're for the sunny days, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not for the rain. Okay. So then you have, uh, the one who was sown among, let's see, the one who was sown among, um, 
the thorns. Is that right? The next one. Yeah, that was the one with the cares of the world, uh, and the deceitful of riches choke them. Right. So these are the ones that they receive. They understand the gospel. They hear it. They appear like they've made a decision for it. They've chosen to go into the kingdom. Mm-hmm. But these are the ones that keep looking back yeah. at the old kingdom. And they keep going, man, I really, I, you know. I, I had re- a better house over there. Exactly. I had a better house over there. I had, you know, I was living the easy life. This this stuff, like, you're asking me to give how much money? Like, what are you asking me to do? You're asking me to sacrifice all this? Oh, man, you know, I care more about my 401k, yeah, the things of this world, and those are thorns that rise up and they choke them out, right? Mm-hmm. And then there are kingdom citizens who are sown in the good soil, and they produce fruit. Right. Some 100, some 60, some 30, right? So this picture is the kingdom of heaven, and it has all these different types of people in it. Right. Okay, so let's keep going. Uh, you have the parable of the weeds, right? The weeds and the tares? Yep. Or the, the tares and the, the wheat. Tares, yeah, and the wheat. Um, I'll read this one. Kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who has sowed good seed in the field, but while his men were sleeping, the enemy comes and sows weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants come up and bore grain, then the, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants and the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest I gather the weeds you root up in the wheat along with them. Right? Mm-hmm. Let Let's both grow together. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers: gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather right. the wheat into my barn. So there is a there is a a subject of perspective that is being played out here. Right um, from the um, standpoint of the servants, that could be us or whatever. But it says there that uh, they want to know, hey, should we go out there and pull all those weeds? And I think th- this has been a big problem, is, is we want to do this. Right. We see these people that they're not real converts. Or, oh, you know, you're wh- playing a game. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah and so we want to ru- go clean all those people out. But, uh, but listen to what he says. He's like, that's not your place. Yeah. It's not. That's not your job. That's the master's job. And and uh, so this kind of goes back to some of what we were arguing about beforehand, because I believe what he's saying here is this is all about our perspective. Um, so these kingdom parables were given to a bunch of people who didn't get it completely, because for one, he's talking about a future entity, right? That uh, even though, uh, and once again, I think this has to do with. I believe when he says kingdom of heaven, he's referring specifically to the church, which was not, even though Jesus was king and he was already here and there was a kingdom established, it wasn't really an organized church yet. Founded until Pentecost. Right. So you've got uh, something that is future to the people he's talking to. Added on top of that, he's talking in riddles. So everyone was confused as all get it. Right. I, I, I used to hear growing up that parables was uh, oh, Jesus used uh, 
nice little stories that people could understand, that simple folks could understand because they were <laughs> farmers and they were this and so they understood farming. And no, 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 no. He's trying to confuse them. Yeah, that's his goal. He's he's <laughs> he's talking to them in riddles. And in fact, the disciples keep asking him, "What are you talking about?" And he, and he has to tell them why he's doing this. Right. And he has to actually explain a couple of these parables, but he doesn't explain them all. No. In fact, at the end of this chapter, he says. So do you understand these parables that I've given to you? And they go, uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what? Right. Come on. Because there are some confusing ones in here. Sure. But but I think that that like this is a perfect example where he begins. He says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who did this. And so he's he's bringing in, okay, this is our perspective. This is what we see when we see kingdom of heaven. This is this is what we see. We see this field and we see we see some tares. Growing up around the wheat, right? We see these weeds in there, um, and and he's like, "But you don't know for sure which ones are all wheat and which one uh, which ones are tares, right? And you're liable to reach in there and pull out a good one while you're trying to get some of the bad ones. So you keep your greedy little fingers out of my business, exactly. And 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 so this is all not talking about the glorified church." This is talking about the churches church as, exist. as we see it. That's right, as we see it today. And look around you, where you go to church. What you know, this is a perfect picture. You see some people leaving and yes. totally forsaking, and you're like, "What happened there? I thought they were well. They weren't kingdom citizens, mm-hmm. right? They 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 left because they they were weeds." Mm. And and then there's and then there's, some, there's those that we would disagree with over a scriptural issue or a topic or whatever that we might be wrong about, right? Or it might not be a salvific issue. It might not be something that actually pertains to our our soul's salvation. Exactly. But we have this disagreement, and we want to clean that out of the church. Yeah. We have to purify, and then we go in there and we start tearing things out, and in and in good hearts are then giving up, right? And, and leaving, and uh, so. So I think that, that I guess perspective is a big part of what Jesus, his audience and who he's, he's talking to, because in a way he's talking to us. Right. Because we are the fulfillment of, of this thing he's talking about in the church. Right. I mean, and, I mean he has the parable, these, these go on, the parable of the net, which is the fish, right? We've talked mm-hmm. about that before. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have the parable of the leaven. Yeah. Right? Which is another one that's really confusing to a lot of people. And the mustard seed. And the well. mustard seed. The mustard seed takes a, a different a leap there. It, it talks about basically how it's born and then it grows and then it's, it becomes this great thing. Right? Yeah. And, and I'm going to throw a little twist on this, um, too, because a lot of people, I think, kind of misunderstand what this parable is saying. Um, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, which, by the way, is not a complete... <laughs> Jesus is not trying to teach us botany. Are you sure? Because <laughs> I've been believing that ever since I... <laughs> He's just basically saying, hey, you know, it's a small seed. Right. Okay, it's the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. Okay, now, now everyone wants to focus on the fact that he said that it's the smallest seed. But is anyone paying attention to what he says about this mustard plant? It's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. That is not true from a botany standpoint. A mustard plant is a plant. It's not a tree. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't create this huge tree. tree. It cre- it, a, 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 a mustard seed, as we know it, produces a small plant. No matter what 
type or species of mustard you're trying to grow. It doesn't produce trees. Right. So Jesus is, is I think, giving us something here interesting. He says, so it, it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And people have wanted to interpret this to say it means it becomes a nice home for all the wayward <laughs> birds out there who are just looking for a place. And No, that's not what Jesus is saying. He told us what birds were. He's already explained some of these parables, and he tells us what birds are. The birds are the servants of Satan in the first parable. They come and they pick the seed from the wayside, right? right. They carry it away. They're not good things. And this plant is not a normal mustard plant like it's supposed to be. It grew into something abnormal, something large and huge. And, and it was a freak of nature in the garden that he's talking about here. And so let's stop and think about what happened to the early church. It started out growing like a normal plant that it was supposed to be. But then what did it do? By, the, by 400, 500 <laughs> A.D., that little plant that was supposed to be a plant became this huge tree that wanted to take over the government, right? right. yeah. And then the emperor became uh, one of these and, and started mandating it. And before long, you're going into other countries and, and conquering countries in the name of this wow. entity. And so birds lodging in the branches... You've got evil coming into it. You've got it growing bigger than it's supposed to be, all this sort of stuff. Now, is he talking about the true uh, kingdom as far as those who are actually saved? Or is he talking about the entity that we see as the kingdom of heaven? Wow, that's good. I've never heard that perspective before. So, And and I'm not saying that that's the only understanding of it. That's... I just pick up on things here that I think that a lot of people are, are just skimming over yeah. and 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 missing it. And the leaven one is very similar because, and we've talked about this in the sure. last podcast, that leaven's not a good thing in Scripture. Right. But we treat it like it's a good thing in this parable for some reason. <laughs> uh, and so maybe we won't retread that. But Well, and, uh, you know, it's just amazing to, to see when you put it in that perspective. Anyways, um the two that are my favorite, though, are, are these two one-verse, <clears throat> one two-verse parables. Uh, the hidden treasure and mm. the pearl of great price. Right. Right? So the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And I, I love using this verse with youth all the time. Mm-hmm. And really, I mean, because I ask them to, to put a value on everything they own. All of it. Right. Including their friends and family. Put a value on it. Are you willing to sell all of that in order to gain the kingdom of heaven. Right? Right. It's like a man who, you know, and uh, I, and I, I've explained this analogy with them, and they have trouble with it, right? Because mm-hmm. they're like, 
Well, I, I don't know. Well, are you valuing the kingdom that much? Because that's that's how important the kingdom yes. is. And that plays in well with our study of Acts, too, because yeah. just like uh, in session two, when Brian was talking about, are you willing to, li- to die for this? Are you willing to live for this? Yeah. Uh, because this is not about, hey, it's a, it's a club that you just sign your name on and you're a part of. No. This is a, this, there's a working side to this. There is uh, active participation right. that is expected of you here. And it's not like, don't get us wrong, we're not saying that you're saved by those works. We're, no. saved, we're saying that you are saved unto those works. Right. That you are created a workman for God. You're called to do that. And he's got things laid out for you to do. And the thing is, it should be in your heart. That's the, that's that, that desire is in your heart. To right. Do those things. And the best, the best place to look for this is acts. So you see what happens, right? Mm-hmm. The Holy spirit falls. Uh, the, the people start multiplying and speaking boldly. Peter, who had sniveled like a coward whenever Jesus was being crucified, mm-hmm. now steps up and he says, Jesus, who you crucified, right? It's risen yes, from the dead. Yes. So he has the Holy Spirit and he's stepping up and he's, he's proclaiming these things. And the point of it is, is this, kingdom citizens follow their king. Yes. Right? So who is the king? And if we're the church, mm-hmm. if we're the truth, if you've, if you've been called into the kingdom of light, then you have a mission. And your mission is to follow your king wherever he leads you, wherever mm-hmm. he directs you. And the best person, I think, whenever we, we're talking about a person on mission is Paul. Right? Yeah. He this was guy on point. He was he would go places and then not go places according to where the Holy Spirit told him to go to bring the gospel of Christ to, to further the kingdom, right? Yeah. He was always on mission. And one of my favorite verses ever from Paul. Um, Acts twenty twenty four, and this is so. So Paul, this is at Ephesus, right? Right. If Paul knows that he has to go to Jerusalem. Yes, he knows that that's that's where God's telling him to go. That's how he's going to get led to, and that's to Rome. how he's going to get rid of Rome. And he knows that God wants to take him to Rome. He was he he says, "I feel compelled in the spirit. I have to do this." And so this prophet guy comes in. He's like, yeah. Paul, give me your belt, right? He takes the belt and he binds his hands. He's like, this is what's going to happen to you if you go to Jerusalem, dude. Like, you're going to you're gonna get thrown in prison. You know that. We've told you. And Paul's like, I know. God's told me. I'm going to get thrown in prison. I, I get that. And this is what he says in Acts 20, 24. But I do not count my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace of God. Kingdom-minded citizens are about bringing about the kingdom. Yeah. That's their focus. And, and you know, that goes in right in line. I mean, I, I've, I've been uh, proselytizing this book, this, this uh, insanity, <laughs> yes, of, God insanity book, of God but I can't stop thinking about it because things just like this, where it's like, okay... Th- the problem of persecution was not a problem for right. Paul. Right. Like he saw that as the means to the end. Exactly. Whereas it was a tool God was using. Whereas the prophet in Ephesus saw it as a problem. Right. Oh, wait a minute. You're gonna be persecuted. Right. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, I know. And <laughs> and and which is exactly what happens. You know, when I was reading this book, because it, you, you you're talking to people who are being pers- persecuted all over the world, and they're like, "Yeah, and 
Uh, and it was at one point, the author of the book was interviewing all these people and getting all these stories and, and all this sort of thing. And he said, dude, you guys need to be writing a book about this. People need to know that this is what you're going through over here and et cetera, et cetera. And they all looked at him like he was out of his mind. And he was standing out that evening. He was standing out there on his balcony at the hotel watching the sun go down. And, w- and one of the Russians came up to him and said, uh, it's a beautiful sunset out there tonight, isn't it? And he said, yeah. He said, man, you should write a book about that. He was like, what are you trying to say? He was like, well, you just told all these people that they need to be writing books about this stuff. But to them, it's like it's a miracle. It's beautiful, just like the sun going down. But it happens every day. Hmm. So it's nothing special in their minds. It's just what happens when when you are serving Christ. This is just how it, how it is. Wow. <laughs> and it's like, oh, man. So, uh, so yeah, I'm going to pitch that book again. That's good. By Nick Ripkin. Uh, by the way, if you don't want to read it, there's a Fathom event uh, this next month that's going to be coming to theaters, uh, like one of those one-day event things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a documentary that is based on that book. Really? Yeah. So... That'll be. I awesome. can't wait to check that out. Yeah, so. me too. That'll be great. But anyway, sorry to derail you. Hey, no problem. But you know, it's exactly what what we've been saying. And uh, so the point is, the kingdom of heaven is here. It's now, mm-hmm. and it exists in you and me. Right? It exists in the church, and our job, our our challenge, is to go out to this world where the kingdom of darkness dwells. And to rescue people into the kingdom of light. And if we're true kingdom citizens, if we really are striving to honor Jesus King, then we're going to do that Yeah. no matter what. We're going to be like Paul, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to be like Stephen, who's the first martyr. And because of him, the news The gospel spread. Far and wide. Yes. So. so great. So anyways, that's all I got. You can so take basically... The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yes. And now is. And we can just leave it. We can just leave it at that. <laughs> Amen. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now let, let's go uh, make some more kingdom citizens. All right, you got some news? Oh, yeah. And now the news. All right, let's see here. Um, the Satanic Temple member gave the prayer before the city council meeting in Florida. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. Uh, after months of petitioning, the Pensacola City Council, David Sonar, finally got the opportunity he was waiting for, the chance to begin a council meeting. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what I picture <laughs> opening that letter. <laughs> he, he got to finally begin a council meeting with a non-Christian invocation on behalf of a satanic temple. The 48-year-old local jazz musician. <laughs> Behold the firepower of this fully armed and operational <laughs> kingdom of Satan. As I play my jazz flute. <laughs> the jazz musician and co-founder of West Florida Chapel of the Satanic Temple, dressed in black hooded costume like something from Harry Potter, and he recited an invocation he learned on YouTube. <laughs> 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 That's nice. so hilarious. And, oh and, and you know what's funny is we're just laughing about this. <laughs> I'm sure that was not his intention. I mean, he really wanted to upset 
right. Christianity. I mean, it's just funny to me. Like, okay, oh, yeah? Hell, Satan. Stupid. All right, enjoy that. Uh, the <laughs> NBA will pull the 2017 All-Star game from Charlotte because of North Carolina's LGBT, anti-LGBT bill. Nice. Yep. That's crazy. The league is currently looking at New Orleans as the main contender to host the city of Festival. Of course, New Orleans. Seattle. Yeah. There's Seattle, yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, it's the, uh, the uh, uh, Portland. Yeah, it's Portland, Oregon. That's where it should be. Right. This is what the commish had to say about it. Um, Adam Silver. The NBA is dedicated to creating an in, uh, inclusive environment for all who intend, attend our games and events. So we are excluding Charlotte, by the way. Sorry, just threw that in there. <laughs> yeah. We are deeply concerned that this discriminatory law runs counter to our guiding principles of equality and mutual respect and do not yet know the impact it will have on our ability to successfully help the 2017 All-Star Game in Charlotte. Yeah. <sighs> more and more crazy. Yep. Seriously. It's nuts. Um, I pulled up... Uh, this is great from Relevant. 13 Pokemon Go church signs that now exist. <laughs> this one is from a First Baptist Church. <laughs> it says, looking for Pokemon or Jesus? Both found here. <laughs> Another one from Fairfax Circle Church. Jim Battles welcome with a Pokemon yeah, yeah. symbol. It's hilarious. <laughs> Community Baptist Church. You can find more than Pokemon here. Come visit us. Wow. <laughs> it's like it's like, you know, last week Kevin like dropped a lure at our right. church. <laughs> like, so if you're playing Pokemon Go, he's like he's like, I'm gonna just drop a lure here right before church and then put it on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Naples Church of Christ. So you found a Pokemon. Did you know you could find uh, you, do you know the joy you can find in, or joy you can have in finding Jesus? Something like that. <laughs> Oh my goodness! What it's like? Uh, Got to catch them all. Jesus died. Dot 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 to catch them all. <laughs> that was from Saint John Lutheran's Church. Find Pokemon outside. Find Jesus inside. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh man, that's just so funny. I love it. Three Pokestops here. Jesus loves you, gamers too. <laughs> I can just read these all day long. <sighs> I love Pokemon Go. Okay, anyways. James Dobson endorses Donald Trump for president. Oh. Shocking. Gotcha. I, did you hear the prayer? It was insane. I kind of avoided. I, I've just been avoiding politics in general. It's, it's horrible. Well, they're doing the Republican National Convention right now. Yeah, yeah. I knew and, uh, and so the prayer Yeah, was, I've heard all the sound bites and the... Right. Uh, Melania or whatever her name is, and her quote unquote plagiarism of Michelle Obama. And right. I just enjoyed the bad lip reading post of that. That was really funny. Mm. She's like pickles. <laughs> pickles. I didn't Pick- see that. Pickles. <laughs> <laughs> this is what James Dobson says. I've decided to endorse Donald J. Trump for president of the United States. Not only because of my great concern about Hillary Clinton, I am supporting Mr. Trump primarily because I believe he is the most capable candidate to leave the United States of America in this complicated at this complicated hour. Oh, in other words, the lesser of two evils. That's what that's that's in a nutshell. That's what he's saying. Right at this hour, 
at this late hour where all we have is Donald Trump, I guess I'll support him. And I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, my buddy Augustine. Is it Augustine? Of the lesser of two evils, I choose neither. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, ah, there's a new research out from um, Lifeway. Yeah. Uh, It's where evangelicals stand on transgender morality. This is really interesting. Among Americans, the question is asked, is it morally wrong to change the gender you were born with through either surgery or taking hormones? 42% agree that's morally wrong. Mm -hmm. 43% disagree. 11% say it's not a moral issue. And 4% say it's not sure. Among Americans, is it morally wrong for an individual to identify with a gender different from the sex they are born with? 35% agree, 45% disagree. Um, so I guess more... It's kind of split. Yep, more often not. Uh, 14% say it's not a moral issue, and 6% say it's not. they're not sure. And I say it's a mental problem. <laughs> I believe it's a mental yeah, problem. It's like we're asking, is it morally okay to be depressed? Right. It's the same thing. It's a, it's a mental struggle. Ugh, it's crazy. So, anyways, I, you know, it's just it's amazing. All right, and in this time in church history... Love is in the air, it's so appealing. Sarah Pierpoint, Sarah Pierpoint married Jonathan Edwards oh. today. This, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, she was like 13 whenever they like started, you know, he was like, hey, I'm going to make you my wife. She's 13 <laughs> years old. Uh, they were married in 1727 on this date. He, she was 17. He was 23. Mm. Their marriage lasted over 30 years and was a happy one. Much of that was owning to Sarah, who managed the home and her scholarly husband efficiently. Sarah worked hard to rear godly children, dealing immediately with sin when it showed itself. Yes. She bore a, a fearful thing. Yes. <laughs> Imagine me and Jonathan Edwards' son. Yeah, yeah. Pray. Yeah, it's a fearful thing <laughs> to fall into the hands of a righteous father like myself. <laughs> they had. She bore eleven children, ten of whom lived to adulthood. Mm-hmm. Jonathan also gave an hour a day to play, and uh, an hour gave an hour a day to play in conversation with his children. So, you know, they, they work together. It's really good. A lot of people said that they had, like, the best marriage ever. And Jonathan Edwards basically says, this is a, this is on his deathbed. Give my kind, this is what he said, give my kindest leave to my dear wife and tell her that the uncommon union which has so long existed between us has been of such a nature as I trust is spiritual and therefore will continue forever, and I hope she will be supported under so great a trial and submit cheerfully to the will of God. That's a well-thought-out last... I mean, he's on his deathbed saying that. I give my kindest leave to my dear wife. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, man. <laughs> Are you going to wow. die? It's nuts. So anyways, yeah. So like, Hurry up, spit it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all I got, man. All right. Well, hey, why don't we get out of here? All right. Sounds good.
Where's my music? There it is. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network using new media and social networking to go into all the world and to proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all of our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema. Visit our website at theonotpodcast.com for show outlines and notes. Also, please join us in praying for one another. You can anonymously confess sins and pray for each other at prayer.theonotspodcast.com. You know, I don't know how much longer that the Theonymous is going to last. It might. I don't know either. Uh, there was absolutely no post in July. Oh, no. So, wow. Okay, so we'll see how it goes. Yep. Uh, there are several ways to contact us to leave us feedback. Send us email to theonots at gctnetwork.com. Or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. And don't forget to leave us comments and rate us as it helps our show reach a larger audience. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. And remember to ask the Theonauts yes, for our future please, upcoming show. Yes, please, we need some. We need some feedback so that we can do that show. Yeah. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah. Thanks for being here. Thank you, man. All right. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCT Damn, what is your deal? If anybody doesn't know, Dan is the worst.